welcome to MuggleCast 384. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Michael. We're joined by one of our listeners this week, Camila. Hi, Camila. Hi, Andrew. Hi, guys. Hey, hailing from San Francisco. You actually, we met you because you were featured in the Apple App Store. Yeah. They asked you to share your favorite podcasts. And you included us, and we were like, oh my gosh, that is so nice. <laughs> so we had to return the favor by having you on the show. Can, can, can you tell us what you do? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. And again, thanks for having me. Uh, and it was really funny because when they interviewed me, they were like, so tell us about the tech podcasts that like help you go. And I was like, well, mostly I listened to this Harry Potter podcast. And I, <laughs> like the guy like laughed. <laughs> he was like, not what he... <laughs> expected so yeah i'm a software engineer uh i build mobile apps uh, which is which explains like the apple connection there uh let's see i currently am working on my own app actually with a couple of friends um nice. that's focused on trying to uh being able to foster thoughtful conversation online called sway and uh i also consult for apps uh, i'm helping i'm consulting right now for this like ar company which is cool. Yeah. And before that, I worked at LinkedIn for a long time building like a bunch of their mobile apps. Cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Good for you. Oh, yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So if we need an app for MuggleCast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make us an app, please. I'll work on it. I'll work on it in my, in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure you don't have much of. It sounds like you're very busy. Yeah. That's that's very cool though, and we're, we're honored to have you on the show, especially after featuring us. That was that was really really nice. Oh, yeah. Um, but the timing of having you on this week was actually kind of funny because when I mentioned uh, when I asked you if you could make it this week, you said you were act you were actually putting together some notes because you were going to call in with some responses <laughs> to last week's episode. What did you want to tell us? Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like I was like driving, listening to it, and like making voice notes because I was like, no. So I had a lot of thoughts after the last chapter by chapter, uh, and like two of them were just in, like observations that like. I had never really thought of until you guys did the chapter. And one of them was a response to Fleur. Uh, but so the first one was that you guys are talking about like unrequited love and like, tonks and magic. And it occurred to me that in this, in this like book, we'd see like two examples of like that effect. And the second one is on Voldemort's mom. And wondering if like JK Rowling did that on purpose. I thought it was like super interesting to see like, like, like Voldemort's mother also like when she is unrequited love also is like bad at magic until like her dad is away or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So So that's kind of like a theme of the book you're saying. Yeah, it okay. looks like 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 an interesting like story arc parallel like where you're yeah. exploring like that effect on like a person's like magical abilities. Yeah, past and present. It happens. That's a good point. Yeah. So And then Flora you had some feedback too? Yeah, I had some. Fun. Oh, wait, the second one was funny. It's now like my headcanon that like we the Weasley clock is like a family heirloom because generations of Weasleys have all just been like Arthur. And, like some like grandfather like Weasley like made his like clock or something. And that's always like <laughs> randomly there. Uh, so it's like my second my second one. And I also um, wanted to know if like if the hands are magically added when people marry into the family. So like if like Harry and like Fleur and like Hermione get added to it, it's like a oh, little that's like, a good point. Uh, but also like is there space for all those hands? I don't know. It's a little confusing. Probably not. It seems pretty crowded as is. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a good question. 
this is my open question. I really wish it had been answered in Cursed Child. Sadly, it was not. <laughs> uh, and then finally, yeah. So Fleur, I had like a bunch of thoughts around this. Uh, I thought that like, so I think J.K. Rowling wrote the, her speech like that because I think a couple of things. One is that like, I think it's supposed to be sexy because she's French. And I think she's probably like, drumming up that like whole like Fleur has this like massive like sex appeal etc everybody just like falls in love with her she speaks in a French accent and so that was like my interpretation of that and also I think there's like a history of Europeans making fun of each other so like if you watch like these like British comedies are always like like they'll have like someone who like speaks like an exaggerated like French accent or like German accent or something and so I feel like there's probably just like some weird like humor going on there and then my other thing was, like, with, like, the woman's attitude to Fleur, I think that, like, they don't like her because of her effect on men. And this, like, super irritates them. And I think Ginny and Hermione and Molly's responses are kind of rooted slightly differently. Like, I think Molly doesn't believe that Fleur is, um, that Fleur actually loves, like, Bill or, like, Bill actually loves Fleur. She thinks it's, like, just a physical attraction. And then you see that sort of resolved, like, in this book later on. Uh, and then, like, Ginny and Hermione, I think they take offense to her, one, because she, like, never paid any attention to them until she was into Bill. Yeah. And, like, two, because she, like, I think they think she's kind of, like, like she like she doesn't have, like, any real, like, aspirations in life besides, like, marrying Bill. And I think they take some, like, deep-seated offense to her because they're both kind of, like, career girls in their heads. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Those are great points, and I think that those were the angles I was taking the first time I read yeah. it. But I don't know what changed my mind this this second time, this reread that we're doing. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I mean, the question, as to your very first point, Camila, on Floor, whether or not J- J.K. Rowling's trying to drum up her sex appeal, I don't know, isn't that kind of like objectifying your character? Or are these other characters, are these other characters like slut shaming her like what exactly is going on so i think you know as we go through this as we go through these this book that's the blessed thing like this isn't the only chapter floor is in so as we go through the book i want to look for more evidence either way of what you know kind of is uncomfortable about this because the whole revelation that floor is not as shallow as molly thought she is like comes at like the 11th hour and it's like oh that's where this was going in the book but as as a standalone chapter last week's is just uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I think Hermione and Jenny absolutely are a little bit slut shaming her. But again, I think they don't believe in her like true they they don't get her, they don't understand her values, and they haven't like put in any effort to try like figure out who yeah. she is. Yeah. I mean Molly Weasley's a great example of a character who is a stay at home mom. That is her career. And this idea that they would reject Fleur for not having a career aspiration is kind of silly. I think it's definitely good to have another perspective on this, particularly a female perspective. I know that that was something that we were talking about kind of when we weren't recording is that we're going to get a lot of blowback if you have three guys who are having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, and it seemed like based upon some of the emails that, that we got that that was exactly what happened. But I, I do think, though, as you go through this book, especially now that we're older and I think we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, you do have a different type of perspective towards the chapter 
And I think maybe a lot of that is informed now by the overall political climate in this country in particular, um, looking at how Ginny, Hermione, and Molly are responding to Fleur. I'm not saying that that is you know, 100% the reasoning behind how they act, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if J.K. Rowling intentionally included a little bit of that into her 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 writing and and you know for for an, a reader who's a little bit older they may interpret that scene differently than somebody who's reading it as a teenager they may the teenager is going to see it as oh right. it's it's just they're making fun of her and you know maybe they're a little bit jealous maybe there's some misunderstanding going on there um so yeah also, uh, these characters in this scene, in this book, in this chapter, in these chapters can be sexist without that making J.K. Rowling sexist. I'm not saying J.K. Rowling is sexist. I'm saying yeah. the treat the treatment right. of Fleur is a, this particular way, which is, you know, triggering or, or different or difficult as an adult. But, you know, does it doesn't necessarily reflect on J.K. Rowling's views. Yeah, I'd like to believe that if Ginny and Hermione went back in time and thought about this, they'd be like, yeah, we kind of gave you a little bit of a raw deal in the beginning. We're like, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, one day, yeah. one day in the future, they're talking about, hey, look, I didn't really like you at the beginning, <laughs> but I did come around. I, that yeah. happens in the real world, yeah. too. You don't like people initially when you meet them and then they grow on you. Like, I'm finally coming around on Micah. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. After all this time. Only it took 13 years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, Camila, let's get your fandom ID. First of all, how did you discover the Harry Potter series? Yeah, so it was pretty random. Uh, so I'm from Jamaica and uh, I was back home. This is back. OK, I've been back and forth between the U.S. and Jamaica a bunch. And that kind of confuses people. But suffice it to say, at this point in time, I was actually living in Atlanta, Georgia and or like the suburbs of Atlanta. And uh, I was back home in Jamaica for Christmas and my best friend and my oldest friends uh, from Jamaica started talking about this book that she was reading, Harry Potter. And at this point, like, I remember, like, vaguely being aware that I'd, like, heard it, like, on TV. Uh, and I was a huge, huge bookworm. But for some reason, I, like, hadn't, like, picked up this book. And so she started talking about it. And I was really shocked because, you know, bless her heart, like we're still great friends, but she really wasn't like a, a huge reader. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember being like, wow, like this book must be really good if Allison is like into this book. <laughs> <laughs> so she lent me the book and I I took it home. I was like, so, like my aunts where we were staying. And then um, I, uh, we were all like staying in the same room because, uh, you know, we we're there for like vacation and my mom was snoring really loudly. <laughs> I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> so I like snuck downstairs and started reading this book. <laughs> I just like read it all night. Like I just finished it cover to cover that same night. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So that's how I got into it. And then when I got back, uh, my parents were like really not that like into it. They were always weird about books about fantasy uh, for some reason. I don't know. And so I, but I had a friend who had the books. And so I borrowed all of the books and I think this must've been like Christmas 99. So I basically like ended up reading all of the books, like, and then Goblet of Fire came out that year, uh, 2000. And so I also like read that. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's when I got into it. It was like hooked, and I eventually like badgered someone into like, buying me the paperbacks when they all came out in that paperback set for the first yeah. four yeah nice so 
Let's get in one breath now your favorite book, movie, Hogwarts House, Ilver Morning House, favorite character, and Birdie Bot Bean. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite um my favorite book is Halfway Prince. So I'm really excited to be on Perfect. here for this actually. Yeah. Uh my Hogwarts house is Hufflepuff. Uh my Ilvermorny house is Pugwudgie. Uh my favorite character kind of shifts between like Ginny and Dumbledore, I think. Just might be like sometimes I'm a little bit protective for Ginny. Mm. And uh, uh I forgot to do my favorite Birdie Bot bean. <laughs> They're kind of, but I like, I always just like eat, I like grab like five at a time and eat them all together. So oh, so you I actually like eat I them. can't like distinguish, distinguish them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you say your favorite movie? Uh, I did not did say speak? my favorite movie. So but sorry, my favorite movie is also Half-Blood Prince. Oh, That's okay. Cool. Yeah. I kind of guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very yeah. good. Um, And let me ask you, as a woman of color, we don't have many people of color on the show very often at all. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry to say. <laughs> How do you feel about J.K. Rowling's work in terms of representation and diversity? Yeah, you know, I think it probably could have done more. I think it was definitely of its time. Uh, she has, she does have like a couple of incidental characters, but like really the only person of color that she has who's like a character in their own right and not because of their like relationship to someone is Kingsley Shacklebolt, which, you know, like I would he would have maybe wanted a little bit more than that. Like everybody else, like Cho Chang and like the Patils and even like Dean, like Lee Jordan. Yeah. Like they're all like there because of their like friendship or relationship to like someone else. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's like a little bit unfortunate. Uh, but again, I think it's like very much of its time. Like I kind of suspect if, if this series were written like two decades later, it would have probably been pretty different. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah. I mean, now J.K. Rowling is writing Fantastic Beasts, and it does seem to be a little more diverse. Yeah, especially the the like the follow ups, right? There's definitely more characters who have like easier roles, etc. Right. So, yeah. Right. How did you feel when Hermione was cast? Our black actress was cast as Hermione for Chris Child. Oh, I Child? loved it. I yeah. really, really loved it. And like, there's all this like fan art with Hermione as a black girl, and nice. I mean, there it's gorgeous. It's really amazing. My one like little thing about it is that when it when it came out and there was a backlash and J.K. Rowling was like, oh, like brown skin, like bushy hair, whatever. Like there's like no canon that says like Hermione can't be a black woman. But I felt a little like uh, like wishy washy on her end. Uh, it was like my one little critique because it's like the canon doesn't def like refute this but she also like called out every other black character like you knew they were black and so mm. uh there is like a little bit of a like yeah but if you wanted to make Hermione black I feel like you would have told us yeah. right yeah yeah so that was like my only little thing but I did appreciate that she like backed it up and of course she probably was consulted before yeah because even before Cursed Child there there were you mentioned that there was fan art of Hermione being mm -hmm. black, but that existed even mm -hmm. before Cursed Child. Yeah. Like yeah. There there the people had that in their head. Some people Yeah, did. there was a lot of people who were like, Hey, she could be she could be black. Uh yeah. I think for the same reason that J.K. Rowling said that, right? There's no like canon explicitly like repeating yeah. that. Right, right. Um and this is a good time to plug Alana Bennett's BuzzFeed article on that subject. Yeah. I'll have to put a link in the show notes. She did a very good piece on that. 
So, um, okay, well, now we know all about you. It was great to, <laughs> great to learn about you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some news. We're going to be learning more, you could say, haha, transition, about Ivana Lynch. She is going to be on Dancing with the Stars this season, season 27. Oh, my God. You know what, what? they did? I, I heard this news and I'm like, wait, season 27? Are you kidding me? Was this thing going since like 1990? No, they do two seasons a year. So I figured it out quickly. <laughs> I'm learning I'm learning so much, you guys. In the last week since I've researched this for to talk about it on the show, I've learned so much about Dancing with the Stars. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but Ivana Lynch is going to be paired with uh, Kio Matsepi, who's the pr- professional. They, Dancing with the Stars, they pair a celebrity with a professional dancer, and then they compete in ballroom and swing and dancing competitions. Uh, so Keo is her partner. He's actually been on the show eight. This will be his eighth time mm-hmm. uh, on the show. He actually gets eliminated in the first to third week most of the, the times, or, or historically. I know it doesn't, but it doesn't bode too well. I but I uh, he has gone the farthest. With actress Jody Sweeten, okay. who played Stephanie Tanner on Full House and Fuller House, uh, that was the sixth overall uh, place ranking in season twenty-two, and they actually he actually ranked fourth overall with Jenny Finch Daigle, who's a two-time All-Star softball pitcher for the U.S. in the Olympics, uh, and that was season twenty-six. I think I can see her doing pretty well. She's young, she's hip, she seems to take care of herself. Like I can see her really putting a lot of effort into this and uh making it pretty yeah. far so I, I think the two of them are a great pair she actually <laughs> ivana did a live instagram video yesterday where she sorted keo into uh she made him take the pottermore sorting test oh um, okay. and he got uh slytherin and she was uh surprised <laughs> and but also said that it was very fitting because apparently he is very competitive so I think that uh, the two of them make a great pair. They're both happy to be together. And I think, hey, like we're going to I'm going to nothing short of this could have made me watch Dancing with the Stars. It sounds like you're an expert on the show now. I think they're going to be a great pair. You didn't know Keo. You sound like a sports analyst. Oh, yeah. Yes. Historically, yes. The the right fit with the right. Attitude. Yeah, right. You're talking like you watch every season or something. But oh hey, maybe God. you're right. No, we'll see. But no. uh, here's the other thing. Uh, okay, I have us. the what is that, Micah? No, tell us. I'm. Uh, this is like a uh, crash course in Dancing with the Stars. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, back to more of a Harry Potter topic. Well, I guess not. This is more of a spinoff. But it, it, we don't get to say this very often. A new J.K. Rowling book is coming out this week. Lethal White, the fourth Ooh. book in the Corman Strike series, is going to be published on Tuesday, September eighteenth. Camila, have you been reading these books? I have. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. This is the longest one in the series. The fourth book in the series is the longest. Sound familiar? That's what happened with <laughs> Goblet of Fire. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm super, super pumped to to see it. Uh, I cannot imagine what's going to make it this long. <laughs> yeah, well, a review came out last week. I don't know if, if they had, uh, who was it? It was some British publication, and they were saying that it's the best book in the series. They were wow. raving about Joe's writing, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm. I've really enjoyed these books. They're great whodunits. It's really wonderful. Um, 
we we love jk rowling's appreciation for detail on the harry potter series and just her writing style and then you read these corman strike books and you get that same stuff and you're reminded oh my god this is so crazy getting some fresh stuff from jk rowling some some fresh brilliant writing from jk rowling man when she is on she is on she was writing like film two of fantastic beasts and film three of fantastic beasts on either side of her writing the longest Cormoran strike book. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, and the quality doesn't suffer. It's, it's no. crazy. Yeah. This well, one took her about two years, I think, because we were getting one of these books each year and then she needed more time for this because of what Eric, I think is saying. Well, don't be surprised if the Niffler pops up in lethal white just by accident <laughs> by accident the Oops. editor failed to uh failed to catch uh that little uh mistake but uh, yeah i mean i have my copy pre-ordered ready to go uh i think it's what is it the 18th it comes out yep. yeah tuesday and uh especially with the way the last book ended big cliffhanger so we'll see uh Ooh. i wonder you know a lot of times when you have those cliffhangers at the end of the book what they'll do is they'll as soon as the next book starts, it's it's already in the future, and you have to wait several chapters. Until right, you go back and find out exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe they'll have to do that, or maybe that's what'll happen this time. They do that on TV shows too, like an yep. episode will end with a really great cliffhanger, and then you're like, oh my god, I gotta watch the next one, and then you watch the next one. It doesn't answer it right at the beginning. <laughs> Darn yeah, it. Like how to get away with murder. It's like yes. the entire show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta say the um I am I'm reading Career of Evil for the first time, you guys. I'm catching up. Um it somehow it got it away from me all this time. I read the Silkworm years ago. Um and I'm loving it. I'm like two hundred and fifty pages in or so, so I'm like almost I mean like a third of the way through the book. But it's really good. I'm I'm really liking it a lot and I have no idea who done it. Um but I, I am reminded of how the Harry Potter series is a mystery. Uh, at its core and how suited to this style of writing jk rowling really is so i'm loving yeah. it and I, i'll definitely be getting lethal white when that comes Th- out that's another reason to love this series we loved harry potter because of the mystery angle and you get more of that here i was gonna make a joke of us like never doing chapter by chapter or anything of cormoran strike but it turns out we didn't do half the books we thought we did for chapter by chapter <laughs> yeah we gotta so... finish potter first <laughs> I know, I know we'd love to. We talked about it before. We'd love to go through, maybe not chapter by chapter, because there's like, you know, the very shorter chapters in the strike books, but like. Murder by murder. Murder by. Murder by murder. Oh my God. We just focus on the murders. Yeah. I know we'd like to talk about them uh, at length at some point in the future. Well, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about Lethal White in the next couple of weeks, depending on when we uh, finish it. Yeah, it sounds like Micah and I will be reading it this week, or starting at least. The catching up. Yeah. Do you guys are you guys getting the physical or ebook? I'm getting the ebook. You're getting the physical. Yeah. Wouldn't you just? I mean, is it proven that you get like very bad headaches and seizures from staring at a screen for thirty hours? Because that would be me. <laughs> It's it's a it's e ink. It's not the same as a computer screen, so that's why I can bear it. Oh but. right, you got one of those readers where it looks like the written page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like a backlight. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be getting the physical because I like paging through and smelling the binding glue. I just hate holding books. This sounds so stupid, <laughs> but like with chapter by chapter, I've been reading the ebook versions of Harry Potter. It's just more comfortable to hold a Kindle. 
in my opinion. Oh, man. No, I love paper books. I have a whole JK Rowling shelf, so it will be going on. There's like, it's starting to run out of space, but uh, it'll be going on there. That's the thing. I actually do have (laughs) the first three Corman Strike books physical because for that same reason, I got to buy the the physical JK Rowling book. So yeah, guess I'll buy both. Take all (laughs) my money, Joe. (laughs) As always. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. If you had to do a estimate of how much money you've given J.K. Rowling over the years, what do you think it would be? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Are we <laughs> just talking about books? Yeah, sure. Can we count, like, Wizarding Worlds as well? Like, right. Because <laughs> that changes. Without knowing percentages, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking just books, uh, I, I probably have, like, 20 J.K. Rowling-related books. So, like, $400? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's impossible. I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean trips to, <laughs> to <know. laughs> trips to fan conventions, no idea. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Before we get to chapter by chapter, two things. First of all, we have decided to record the Half Blood Prince movie commentary in the next couple of weeks. We are going to nail down the exact date and time very soon. We will be live streaming it at patreon.com slash mugglecast and then it will be released to everybody. This is the commentary that patrons decided they wanted us to do next. So we're gonna do it. Um, so stay tuned for an announcement there. Also, this week's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging. I know this. It can be a struggle to find the right person to hire at Hypable. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. And that's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It will find them. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So you're going to get your job taken care of real quick. With results like that, it's no wonder ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-U-G-G-L-E-C-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And now it's time for Chapter by Chapter, Half-Blood Prince Chapter 6. Draco's Detour. So as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, we here at MuggleCast love to give everybody a great explanation of what we're reading. We've been doing it forever. (laughs) And now we're making it simpler than ever with our group summary. (laughs) Let's hope this isn't as much of a dumpster fire as the last several have been. Oh, that's why I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we have a different order this week. Eric is going to start. Seven words, and we're going to each take turns. All right. Ready? Yeah. Diagon. (laughs) I wonder what I have to do. (laughs) Allie. Looks. Really? Sad. (laughs) And desolate. Okay, hey. that one worked. <laughs> We're getting better. Diagon Alley <laughs> looks sad and desolate. Oh, looks really sad. What was it? Yeah. 
looks, looks really, really sad, sad and desolate. And desolate. Yeah. Okay, I like that one. <laughs> so, it's true. This chapter actually begins with some ominous signs. We have found out that the Death Eaters have kidnapped the ice cream guy. Florian Fortescue. <laughs> he has a name, yeah. Andrew. Florian Fort- Fortescue. His name is hard for me to pronounce, so I just like to call him Ice Cream Guy. And the wand maker, Ollivander. <laughs> and it, it's it's an important thing. It, it's a it's a sad thing to read because our childhoods or the childhoods of these characters are disappearing before our eyes. This is the precursor to losing Hedwig. I was just thinking it's, that. it's all building up. It's all building up to Hedwig. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. I mean, Florian, he's not. We didn't really connect with him. And actually, we'll touch on that in a second. J.K. Rowling shared some interesting information about him. But Ollivander losing him, that's a big deal. This guy has been a stalwart in the series. He is the wand maker. He had that iconic moment with Harry Potter. And now he's just gone. True. I I like... Oh, go on. I was just going to say, it's a really smart tactical decision by the Death Eaters. (laughs) To take him, yeah. Yeah, to take away the best wand source. And Lupin says as much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always liked Florian more than I liked Ollivander. Because, like, if you remember back to the scene with Harry and Ollivander, Harry, like, Ollivander seems to come away praising Voldemort. Um, that whole terrible things, but great. Uh, you know, really kind of Harry. I think it even says Harry's not sure if he's supposed to like this guy because <laughs> he he's not <laughs> sure if he does. Versus Florian Fortescue, my favorite book, Prisoner of Azkaban, features weeks of vacation that Harry spends in Diagon Alley because he blows up Aunt Marge and ends up, you know, getting to roam free in Diagon Alley for a couple weeks. Uh, Florian Fortescue helps him with his homework. Oh, if you remember, it awesome. gives him free. Yeah. It gives him free ice cream to boot, and he's so kind of the best. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the best. He's just yeah. a nice old man with ice cream, with free ice cream, and he helps Harry with his. I think it's history homework, but uh, mm-hmm. like you said, it actually turns out that Florian Fortescue, at the time J.K. Rowling was writing book six, she was expecting Florian Fortescue to pay off in a big way in book seven. And unfortunately, when it got down to writing book seven, it became clearer. Actually, I'll just read this from J.K. Rowling. I originally planned Florian to be the conduit for clues that I needed to give Harry during his quest for the Hallows, which is why I established an acquaintance fairly early on. Book three. At this stage, I imagined the historically minded Florian might have a smattering of information on matters as diverse as the Elder Wand and the Diadem of Ravenclaw, the information having been passed down in the Fortescue family from their earliest ancestor. As I worked my way nearer to the point where such information would become necessary, I caused Florian to be kidnapped, intending him to be found or rescued by Harry and his friends. The problem was that, when I came to write key parts of Deathly Hallows, I decided that Phineas Nigellus Black was a much more satisfactory means of conveying clues— Florian's information on the diadem also felt redundant, as I could give the reader everything he or she needed by interviewing the Grey Lady. All in all, I seem to have had him kidnapped and killed for no reason. He's not oh. the first wizard. <laughs> He's not the first wizard with whom or whom Voldemort murdered because he knew too much or too little, but he is the only one I feel guilty about because it was all my fault. <laughs> I love that. And J.K. <laughs> Rowling on Pottermore described this as a ghost plot. 
I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which I black. think is an interesting way to categorize these certain types of situations. Micah, does this make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense to me if J.K. Rowling says that this is what she intended. Uh, <laughs> but I would go back to what was said very early on, is that this all seems like a bit of a loss of innocence, especially when Harry is reflecting on the fact that both Fortescue and Ollivander have disappeared. You know, his childhood, his early years, are, are now being compromised a bit in a way. When, especially once you get to Diagon Alley and you you see just how sad and desolate it is, uh, it it just shows you that things are are changing and getting darker. I know we've talked about that in the the previous chapters, just how the landscape and the environment overall are shifting, and this just adds to it even more. Yeah. I have yeah. a single reason why I genuinely like Florian Fortescue. I love the design of his ice cream parlor at the Diagon Alley theme park. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the best part. It's so great. Yes. <laughs> ice cream there. It's is so, it like I'm the, so happy. Is yeah. it the green lettering on the pink cupcake and, thing? And like it's what? got the ice cream swirl on the outside and at night it glows in multiple colors. It's just, I just love it. It's legitimately my favorite place to go in the theme park. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like, Dunkin' Donuts in the Muggle world makes me happy with their design and logo and all that. Florian Fortescue in the Wizarding world makes me equally happy. It's yeah. also well, usually like 100 degrees there, so it's a very happy place to yes. go inside. <laughs> <laughs> the Butterbeer ice cream is pretty good as well, sidebar. Yeah. The theme of loss of innocence is definitely a big one here, like you guys have all said. Um, just in one other note here, like Harry is at the burrow. For weeks, again, it, it's basically like the same deal he had in book three when it was a lovely kind of relaxing downtime. He's at the burrow. He's with Ron and Hermione and all these friends that he knows are coming in and leaving, uh, you know, having dinner. It's a beautiful thing, but it's he can't quite appreciate it because there's all this news of people being kidnapped and killed. And he actually has his 16th birthday this way. Like it would be an ordinarily wonderful day, except during it, Remus comes in and is talking about who was killed. So um, the one we didn't mention, Igor Karkaroff, everybody um, yeah. from Goblet of Fire, the head of Durhamstrang School, who I guess defected from the Death Eaters. I think we kind of saw that happen, though I often forget what the circumstances were. I think Igor Karkaroff just got like he, we see him with Snape. And he's worried about the dark mark coming back. And then I guess he makes a run for it. I guess because he had turned in so many people. So he thought that yeah. like he would be like executed on return. Because mm -hmm. he right. betrayed so many. Yeah. yeah. And it, it took him, it took Voldemort a year to find him, which Lupin says is a, a big deal. Um, that, that Karkaroff survived almost a year without, you know, before they, before he was killed. Um, and consequently, here's where I get confused a little bit. He says that Sirius's bro brother, Regulus, uh, died after only a few days. And I think I get confused because we know what really happened with Regulus, that I tend to think that Voldemort killed him personally uh, as a result of finding out his secret. But that, I have to remind myself, is not what happened because Voldemort did not actually know, despite the letter we have from R.A.B. about I've discovered your secret, da 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 da, da 
Voldemort doesn't actually know that Regulus did that. And so this common knowledge that Remus is talking about is that Regulus defected. But we have to kind of go back to what Sirius said in the previous book, which was that Regulus got in over his head. So I think that I think that everyone just kind of Remus and Sirius both think that Regulus kind of got cold feet and then was killed a few days later. They don't know the full extent, but even Voldemort or the Death Eaters who may have killed him know the full extent of why he left. Hmm. It's also our second mention in this book of Regulus. Yeah. Yeah. When was the first? Slughorn. Oh, yes. That's, was that last? Yeah, two chapters ago. Mm-hmm. I think she's definitely drumming up for for us to like be on top of remembering that Regulus exists. Yeah. So there is a bit of good news, despite losing Igor and Florian and Ollivander. Harry's now Quidditch captain. <laughs> and <laughs> what I find funny about this moment is that Hermione's like, oh my God, yes, this means you can have access to the prefect bathroom and everything. <laughs> and like, why is this the first benefit that Hermione mentions? <laughs> Oh, well, you know. Kind of baller, you know? It, yeah. Well, so that's the thing. I was trying to think back to my like high school years and thinking about like, wow, I guess it'd be cool to have access to like, I don't know, the faculty room. That's the only thing I could think of. Like, you don't have to be around other students that you don't enjoy. But I don't know. That seems like a weird thing for Hermione to prioritize. You know, like the showers in the showers in gym class and how you know, like communal showers. Yeah. If there was like a private spa at high school, wouldn't you be like, oh, cool? Yeah. But I do wonder yeah. what the other benefits are. Prefect bathroom and and he gets to be <laughs> captain of a sport that he loves for his school. Yeah. Yay. That is cool. That Harry's is Harry's cool. officially like the ultimate jock. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the jock captain level of the sports team. Yeah. <laughs> um but despite this, there are there is talk of going back to Diagon Alley to get their school supplies and Mrs. Weasley is concerned about going there because of the danger and there's speculation, oh, maybe Voldemort could be hiding. Um, there's a joke made by one of the Weasley brothers, I think, or maybe it was Ron. It was Ron. It was Ron about, oh, yeah, Voldemort's going to be hiding in, in one of the shop shore mom. Mrs. Molly says, if you think security's a laughing matter, you can stay behind and I'll get your things myself. Darn. Now, to me... That is a bit strange because just a chapter earlier, she was rolling her eyes at Arthur's security test. Yeah. So, like, what's the difference here between the two situations? The only thing... I think it's Diagon Alley. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is just the way that the chapter opened with Lupin coming in with all this really sad news. Maybe that changed her mind a little bit. Maybe... Mm. She also may feel very comfortable within the confines of her own home, but going out of the burrow, she may feel a little bit different. Yeah. And and now she's looking after her children as opposed to her husband. <laughs> Slightly different. I mean, if they'll take the ice cream guy, right? And she must be like, damn. Like, oh, nobody's yeah. safe. <laughs> nobody's safe. <laughs> the... One other thing I wanted to mention, though, before we move off to Diagon Alley, though, is that uh, Ginny is referenced as being very, very good at Quidditch uh, during the sort of downtime that Harry has at the Burrow. And I thought that that was setting up her um, making the team 
Yeah. I also thought I thought it was really funny that they like that he called out like Hermione's being dreadful at Quidditch, like that little giveaway where he's like Hermione and Harry played against like Ginny and like Ron, but they were evenly matched because Hermione was so bad at like Quidditch. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Ginny's actually really good. Yeah, just <laughs> another thing to love about her. Hermione yeah. though, really these last couple of chapters, and and then especially as we move through this one, even with the the bathroom comment, she she just doesn't seem to be herself. I don't I don't know what it is. Like the way she that just she got reacts. punched in the eye. What's that? <laughs> she just got punched in the eye. That's true. Maybe that's what it is. The yeah. the the punch in the face uh threw her off a bit. Yeah, but even oh, that yeah. was a uh even that was a cause of her not really being herself. Like you said last week she would never touch that thing normally. Mm-hmm. Is it just the threat of Voldemort being back that's kind of throwing her off like this rising threat that's making her a little more desperate, a little more quick to act in the moment yeah, as opposed possibly. to being more calculated as we'll see with this vanishing cabinet situation a little later yeah. um so <laughs> here's another thing i'm just i'm just being critical of this whole chapter because i i question these characters That's so um there's this so the trip to Diagon Alley does ultimately happen and everybody's coming along and we learn that instead of a team of Aurors accompanying them for their own security, Dumbledore has asked Hagrid to be the group <laughs> security. So instead of, quote, a bunch of Aurors, we're just having Hagrid watch them. <laughs> Why has Dumbledore decided that Hagrid can take the place of these Aurors? <laughs> it's questionable. Well, okay, I'm glad I'm not alone here. It doesn't make sense to me. Andrew, let me explain something to you. That's because I'm the best bouncer this side of Diagon Alley. Now, I'm sure he is a great bouncer, and we see him standing outside the stores that he, that they go into. But he can't fend him fend. He can't fight a bunch of Death Eaters and potentially Voldemort, as well as a bunch of Aurors can. Maybe. True. He's not a proper wizard. Maybe this is actually Dumbledore throwing shade at the R's. Like he thinks they're like also going to be useless against Voldemort. He's like, it doesn't even make a dif- make any difference. It's just Hagrid. It'll be fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would <laughs> wow. That would be pretty rough. I, so I was thinking that Dumbledore thought, I think for the family's peace of mind, it'd be more comforting to have a familiar face with them as opposed to these Aurors who they don't know. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea because just in general, the amount of security that's being placed on Harry, you would think would draw more attention to him, right? He's getting chauffeur service Mm. to the Leaky Cauldron. And then once he's inside Diagon Alley, who knows? Maybe there are other people who are watching him. We just aren't aware of it. And then... Maybe Dumbledore trusts Hagrid, and we know he trusts Hagrid way more than he would trust any Auror because we don't know at this point. Think about everything that's going on and who has been compromised. Mm-hmm. It, it could be a danger to just take a random Auror and put him or her on the security force that's supposed to look over Harry. Yeah. I'm also thinking Dumbledore thought that there was actually not going to be a threat there. He felt pretty confident that there wouldn't be. Because if he did think there was a chance of a threat, he might have just prevented them from going to Diagon Alley altogether. Yeah, I mean, you can you can owl order all of your supplies. I think we see, 
I was going to say, I think, don't, doesn't Ron do that later when it turns out he's taking potions too? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. well, by they this both. point in the series, they do have the Grubhub app and they're able to get uh, <laughs> Amazon <on-demand>. Prime. <laughs> yeah, same day delivery. <laughs> Two hour delivery, Prime now. <laughs> Isn't there also a mention, I forget if what book it's in or if it was just a movie ism, but Dumbledore saying that he trusts Hagrid with his life? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. in both. Yeah. In the book. I did think it was really like cute but also sad. And so when Hagrid goes in when they go into um the Leaky Cauldron and like Tom the bartender is there and he's like, Oh, just passing through, you know, Hogwarts business and I thought it was a really sad like callback to the first time when they went to Diagon Alley. Except like really like depressing (laughs) as opposed to like that day when everything was like happy and exciting. Yeah, right. I I love that connection between book six and book one, because there's another one in this chapter, too, uh, when they get into Madame Malkin's, which is that the same person that Harry runs into. Uh, Yeah. If you remember in book one, he ran into Draco and Madame Malkin's, too. That was when they they first (laughs) they first meet. And I'm not 100 percent sure on whether Madame Malkin is accidentally sticking him with the pin in book one. But uh, they have a (laughs) not too happy conversation about uh, Slytherin House and. Hufflepuff, I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Something like that. Um, But uh, Tom, the bartender, love that guy. It's real sad to see his business is kind of. Oh, yeah. Nobody's in there. Down. Maybe Hagrid could have sat in there a couple hours after the uh, operation has ended and could drink a lot (laughs) and pay pay Tom's bills. It raises the question. Like Hagrid (laughs) is not a proper wizard. The only reason he would be here is nostalgia. Like Dumbledore (laughs) is bringing us on this trip to for nostalgic purposes. Um, And as much as proven, isn't it? I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but they sneak out and they get around him and Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. So speaking of the situation in Madame Malkins, they do go in there, they run into Draco and Narcissa. And I the the thing I wanted to talk about in this area is just how vicious Nar- Narcissa is. So things are quickly get heated. At one point, Narcissa says, it's all right, Draco. I expect Potter will be reunited with dear Sirius before I am reunited with Lucius. And then Harry raises his wand and Hermione stops him from casting a spell. But that's just a horrible thing to say. And then a few moments later, she says, I see that being Dumbledore's favorite has given you a false sense of security, Harry Potter, but Dumbledore won't always be there to protect you. I mean, she is saying that there are people who are going to come and probably kill you. This (laughs) And also Dumbledore. Spoiler alert. Let's not excuse Harry from the things he says. He calls Lucius her idiot husband and says that maybe Azkaban can find a double cell, a double wide cell for them. Like uh, it's a loser of a husband. Yeah. The the gloves are off on both sides here. But but as a mother, shouldn't you take the high road? Yes. hundred (laughs) percent. I know yeah. she's in a bad situation right now with her husband and what, what Voldemort has Draco doing, but still, I it just seems so vicious for an adult to be saying to a child. I know, Harry's like 16, like, yeah. he's definitely like stooping to his level. There's a very, there's a very crucial part of, it's like an adjective that I love or something, but it's explained that Harry is the same height as Narcissa, and that... That means everything to me reading because I'm just like they're looking each other straight in the eye. They don't need to look up or look down. They're the same height. They're like 
on even playing field, right? They're both potentially accomplished witches and wizards. And right. the the animosity, the vitriol between them is is very palpable. And I love that. It's not Draco that Harry's up against. It's his mom, you know. Yeah. And then the comic relief in the scene is Madame Malkin being there and just being like, oh, my gosh, what on earth is happening in my shop She's right scandalized. now? She's <laughs> scandalized. Poor, poor Madame Malkin. Can we just take some measurements and, and move on, please? <laughs> We're in a clothing store. She's so shaken. And, like, the worst part of it is, uh, they, like, Draco throws off the robes that she was fitting him for. And Narcissa's like, we can do just as well at Twilfit and t- Tatterings or whatever. Yeah. Tattings. And they just leave. And, and Madame Malkin is so devastated that even when Harry and Hermione are getting fitted for their robes and Ron, like, she's distracted and is just, like, happy to see them go. Like, she just can't. It ruins her day. Like, Draco and Narcissa saying all those mean things just ruins her day. Well, and again, Narcissa, like, why do you have to throw shade about Madame Malkin's plate business? It's it's bad. I mean, Draco starts it. If that's any, that's any, Draco does have some agency in this <laughs> chapter, which is, he says, if you, in case you're wondering what that smell is, mother, and mudblood just walked sure, in. Sure, he, es- he escalated the situation right at the beginning. <sighs> Man, it just <laughs> kind of. Do you feel like, though, there's any fault on the part of Hagrid here, though, too, because he just decides to wait outside, and Mrs. Weasley was already very concerned about them splitting up in the first place that they go Hagrid doesn't even go in with them <laughs> well he's being the bouncer out front maybe he like, has like, bad memories of being fitted for robes and he doesn't go in there but anymore. if he Scared. was a good security guard he would have went in there first and checked it out checked the and room then came back out yeah, yeah that's true. a good point maybe he's afraid of needles <laughs> or Madame Malkin herself or Narcissa. Yeah, you you no, you bring up a good point. I mean, Hag and if they had seen Hagrid, the the insults would have been even greater. Um mm-hmm. uh, Dr- yeah. because of Draco's history with Hagrid. So So on a lighter note, we get to step into Weasley Wizard Wheezes for the first time. And actually I was kind of amused by how they have to search for the store because Diagon Alley, the theme park, you can't miss it. <laughs> or in <laughs> yeah. the movie. It really stands out. But yeah. Molly's like, oh, it's at this address. It should be right around the corner. No, you you can't miss it in, in, in the movie in the theme park. But anyway, this is really great. I think it's heartwarming for readers because we get to see Fred and George putting together a successful business. And we're introduced to lots of their products like You Know Poo and daydream charms <laughs> and love potions and 10 second pimple vanisher and spell checking quills and objects for wizards to wear if they're no good at shield charms they got the shield hat and i think a cloak and yeah it's really I, amazing stuff i had a question to pose are fred and george actually like the smartest characters in this series because like they have, like the products that they've made are like kind of like ridiculous. Like they're really amazing. They're super inventive, and then they're like actually running like a profitable business. They're like back funding like their consumer facing business with like this enterprise thing, like selling yeah. to the government. Like and all in like the matter of like months. Like yep. it's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely the people who are the most prosperous based on the established existing established world order. Like. 
they're they're able to make it work for them capitalismistically whatever the word is there and everyone who comes in like people who know them are like examining their stuff and they're like actually this is incredible magic yeah like, even hermione <laughs> with the daydream charm is like really surprised she's like well, that's insanely like complicated yeah. um everyone's surprised and they're they're totally thrilled and you know what above it all to top it off they're so humble that they say that harry doesn't pay here i love that <laughs> when they turn to him and they say yeah when they say you don't pay here unbelievable it blew my he's like Willie, don't think we've forgotten that you gave us our startup money you don't pay here i mean ah the heart the heart i think it's also a good thing to read for a lot of people out there who might not be book smart necessarily but street smart jk rowling's introducing a couple characters who are able to make it that didn't do so hot in school necessarily (laughs) yeah just out just last chapter mrs weasley says that ron had more owls than fred and george together Mm -hmm. yeah ron they're like ron (laughs) (laughs) they're like rags to riches and also like high school dropouts like yeah (laughs) always in trouble yeah Uh, yeah and and of course we spoke about previously how molly this is something just a couple of books ago could never have imagined her children would be up to. Uh, they kept it a secret from her for a long time. And now she's very proud of, of what they've created. Yeah. yeah. Got to give props to her too. Like she has at least like come around to that. Right. Like, yeah. And, and I think this is something that a lot of people in the real world can actually relate to as well. Sometimes you go a certain path that your parents might not want you to go. And it's hard for you to, it's it's hard to deal with that. Like, oh, my parents don't want to do this, but want don't want me to do this, but I really want to. And it's nice seeing that parents can come around as and as a lot of people learn, myself included, like your your parents can come around to it and then be proud of you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a um a morals story of or the moral of the story is follow your dreams, follow your passions. Like right. Fred and George have this uh school rep for being jokesters. Uh, but they've turned it into, you know, and their passion through hard work and dedication of building this this now veritable line or an empire of of jokes stuff and and really incredible products now. And it's just because they wanted that was what they wanted to do. And for books, we were talking about Fred and George being locked up in their room at the borough and explosions were heard. All this stuff like they they worked hard and they just they wanted to be jokesters. Andrew, you wanted to be broadcasting, you know, broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we you both did it congratulations <laughs> we like, all did it yeah we we all did it i have a question though this is for everybody because i'm i'm just confused and there's this is not the first time i've ever been confused in a harry potter book but this is absolutely the biggest most prevalent pressing question that i have had about the series as a whole what is you know poo oh my god <laughs> this is like my favorite thing that they did Kavila, can you explain it? You know, Pooh? I think it's because, like, I think it's a kind of brilliant pun because, you know, like, sometimes, like, if you have a lot of anxiety and stress, like, you might actually be kind of like constipated, et cetera, right? And so I think people are like so stressed, they're actually like constipated, like, over all of this, like, the, you know, like, you know, who, like, Voldemort being back. It's sort of brilliant. Well, wait, but but it's not a product, right? It's not a product. It oh, is. I don't know. Is it a product? It, it could is. be a product. Andrew, Andrew, you called it. You called it a product. I don't think it's a. We never see anybody buying it, do we? 
No, but it's it's the first thing that we see when they're introduced, and I'm looking it up now, and it it's described online as a product. Because that's it's, what confuses me. It's a prank. Me. It's a prank product, though. It's one of their pranks. It causes constipation in the in the person who takes it. It causes constipation. Okay, because yeah. I'm just like I'm I'm so confused because I thought it was just a, a sign on their side on the side of the building. That is, it's fun wordplay, right? And it and yeah. it plays off the idea that there's this pressing fear of Voldemort returning, and they're like, "Oh, don't worry about you know who you should be worried about, you know, Pooh, <laughs> constipation, <laughs> sensation, it's gripping the nation." Uh, but I I never thought it was I I just it just you don't see anybody buying it, right? Like it's not I didn't know if it was a you product just, or what. You I feel would, like it's would... probably both, which is actually even more brilliant. Like, not right. only is this like, is it this like insane pun and like sign to like grab your attention, but also you could probably like buy it to like prank your friends. Right. Yeah. The, I, friends. I, I, I yeah. think that's the brilliance of this part of the chapter, though, is just you see how good Fred and George are. And, you know, I'm thinking also about how they're making stuff that the ministry is using and that would never even cross our minds probably in, in the previous books when we've been reading about Fred and George just what they've been able to accomplish with this shop is in my mind extremely impressive and beyond anything we thought them capable of doing especially you go back to just the last chapter and Mrs. Weasley is talking about how Ron got more owls than the two of them combined so for them to be doing this level of magic there's I would say there's multiple levels of magic that they're able to do and I just, yeah, kudos to them. I do think that's why she was so mad at them, though, when they, like, didn't get any owls like, in book four, because she, like, knew that they were actually, like, super smart. I wonder and, if Fred and George had dreams of feeding Voldemort you-know-poo. So, you-know-poo for you-know-who. Does it him, like, cure, a 30-year constipation. Does it cure constipation? Does it help? Does it cause constipation or cure constipation? I'm cause. so confused. God, I feel cause. like it's got to cause it. Yeah. And you know poo. Why are you we? Know you, you know poo. You will not poo. You will not poo. How do you... does Voldemort poop? <laughs> just, After you know, he was brought back. So rarely do we talk even... about. So rarely do we talk <laughs> about like bathrooms and like going to the bathroom in hot. Like there are bathrooms in Hogwarts, but the last thing people do is actually go to the bathroom in there. Uh, you know, even in this one, Draco goes there to cry. He, you know, nobody's using the bathrooms. But then in this chapter, Hermione's like, you can use the prefix bathroom. And now we're talking about not pooping. So congratulations, J.K. Rowling. You brought it back in a big way. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so confused. Thank is, you for explaining. I, I guess it's a product then. I thought it was just a window display. What does Voldemort eat? Does he eat? He is what he eats. Yeah. <laughs> He's self-sustaining. There's so many questions. Eats, eats horcruxes. <laughs> So, okay, so that's light. We're glad to see Fred and George are doing well. Then we enter another business. The trio finds um, Draco going into Borgen and Burks and asking Borgen to fix one of the two vanishing cabinets. We don't know this at the time, though. There's there's no mention of it in this chapter. Um, and, of course, we don't know why he wants this vanishing cabinet fixed, but, of course, this is how he plans to get Death Eaters into Hogwarts to help take down Dumbledore. Um, this is what we were alluding to earlier with Hermione kind of being out of character. After Draco leaves, Hermione just runs in and tries to talk to Borgen, pretending that she's Draco's girlfriend. And she's like, oh, um, I want to get Draco something that he doesn't already have. 
what things in here does he already have? And Borgen actually quickly catches on to it and tells her to scram. This this was just this was a rare miscalculation try. by Hermione. It, she it's, had to try. Did she though? I it just why didn't she maybe think this through a little bit more? Like she didn't clear it with Harry and Ron first. She just runs in there and tries to do anything. Why did it have to be done now? And why is Hermione rushing to do something like this? Like I said, it's not like her to make a rash decision and for something to not go successfully. It's weird. Great question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a huge risk though too because who's to say that um Borgen is not going to relay this information immediately over to Cam. Draco that there's this young girl who runs into the shop not seconds after he departs and is inquiring exactly about what he was just in there for. So I I think it's it's a terribly uncalculated risk that she takes. Yeah. Well, even if even if she had been more suave, here's my argument that the, it wouldn't have helped Ron and Harry because the answer is actually right in front of them this whole time and they still don't see it. Like Harry talks about like looking in through the window and he wishes he could see what Draco's, uh, you know, pointing, pointing at. <laughs> but 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 he can't because the vanishing cabinet's in the way. That same yeah. vanishing cabinet that was in book two that he hid in when he left saw Draco in that shop. And this darn cabinet's in the way. I can't see what Draco's talking about or doing. And it's like, dude, it is the cabinet. We know it is the cabinet. Is yeah. what he's talking about. And so no matter what, like Hermione... Hermione's at a disadvantage. We're all at a disadvantage. No amount of prep could have fixed the idea that yeah. it's it's not actually an object because they they go they're going in with the wrong understanding they or do. false pretenses or you know just a fundamentally flawed uh, sort of goal yeah. here. They don't even think though because Draco himself says, "How would that look with me carrying that down the street?" Yeah, you know, think mm-hmm. about what what in that immediate vicinity would look odd for a 16 year old kid to be like carrying down the street. I, but it works both ways. Cause yeah. any, any dark object would be suspect, right? In these, in these darkened times, if Draco's carrying that, the severed hand of glory, you know, that would look pretty weird. He could put that it in a bag. He could have a little you know, <laughs> plastic tote bag that he carries it in. Do you think, do you think, now, the, do you think nocturnalities on reusable shopping bags? Do you think they are big eco? No, owners? probably Like not. you have to pay extra if you don't bring your Ten own. Cents. Right. Yeah. <laughs> one, one other thing worth mentioning though, in this particular scene is that Hermione does come across the necklace that is used yeah. later on. Uh, in this book and also is referenced in that same chapter in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Hmm. Also, Man, it's really expensive. One and a half thousand galleys. It's kind of insane. I was going to say, Borgen, <laughs> Borgen is not really selling any of his... He's not doing really a... I don't think he understands business. The same... <laughs> The same stuff he has in his shop in book two or in, or in his shop in book six, four years later. What exactly is he selling? What's and what product is he moving? And who pays for that necklace, by the way? Is it just stolen by Draco? Because as you just said, that's pretty expensive. Maybe Fenrir. Fenrir Greyback. Mm. Since like Draco like named Oh, Austin. Fenrir could like bust in and steal it. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that our first mention it. of him? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up. 
Lauren, who's listening live, says, In Chamber of Secrets, Nearly Headless Nick says that Peeves knocks over a very old and valuable vanishing cabinet. I love this Easter egg. I love that this Easter egg is in the second book and is insignificant at the time. I truly believe that this was the vanishing cabinet that is put into the room requirement because it was broken. Yep, absolutely. I think it is. I think that is, like, that's, like, backed up. Also, like, Harry, in book two, Harry um, hides in that, in the vanishing cabinet in Borgen and Burks. Right. accidentally ends up there. Yeah. But, mm. but yeah. The, important, the important thing is he doesn't close the door all the way. Yeah, because <laughs> the other it's, one would have really, been unbroken. It's really yeah. the coolest bit of J.K. Rowling's writing that she's ever done Yeah, is <laughs> that he's – this is the same cabinet that they shove Montague into. Fred and George shove that Slytherin uh, Montague into the vanishing cabinet, and he disappears from Hogwarts for like six months yeah. uh, and sometimes is between places, this, that, the other thing. Harry, when he gets in there, is hiding in there from Draco and Lucius – but he cl- he keeps the door cracked open just a tiny little bit so that he can see through and watch what it is that Lucius is doing. And that apparently makes all the difference because Harry would have been catapulted to Lord knows where. Um, it looks like Fenrir's first appearance was in Half-Blood Prince, Micah. So unless we heard about him in the past few chapters and just forgot, then that was the first mention. I know Remus talks about him. I thought it was in book five when he's explaining that he's going with the werewolves. But... No, that's in this book, later in book six. Okay, yeah, gotcha. It does, yeah, uh, yeah Half of Princess's so, first appearance. I'll, I'll, I'll complain about this uh, later in our chapter-by-chapter chapter series, but this is another example of Dumbledore leaving this giant hole in Hogwarts. Like, he doesn't know that the Vanishing Cabinet is in there, and that's a big security loophole? Like, come on. I know Hogwarts is a big school, but you're a brilliant guy. Well, Dumbledore, I was going to just argue that Dumbledore doesn't know about the rumor requirement. But he yeah. did talk about using it as a bathroom the other right. book. But, like, someone must have put the broken vanishing cabinet somewhere or something. Well, I guess maybe Draco put it in the room of requirement. I don't know. Maybe. That's interesting. How did it get there? Right. And where did Peeves run into it exactly? Yeah. Anyway, before we get to MVP of the week and rename the chapter, it's time for a word from another one of our sponsors. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, Today's episode is also brought to you by Casper. You know, you spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should feel comfortable. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. And Casper also offers a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. The best part is they're affordable. Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. There's also hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied, and it's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, size box. And I can tell you from personal experience, I was that person who said, how do they do that? (laughs) And Andrew, I know you also uh, have a Casper mattress. This is something to me that's really great for a college student or somebody who is about to move apartments because it's simple, it's easy, it's affordable. The mattress, it shows up in a box and it's just easy to move upstairs, get it right into your room, unpack it. And I've had my Casper mattress now for just about over a year and have had great night's sleeps all throughout. They are so cozy. You you want to look forward to going to bed, and Casper helps you do that. 
you sink in the bed and you're just like, ah. <laughs> and you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. MuggleCast <laughs> listeners get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash MuggleCast and using MuggleCast at checkout. Certain terms and conditions apply, but just head on over to casper.com slash MuggleCast, use code MuggleCast at checkout, and get your Casper mattress. Let us know how you like it. It's worth it. The fact that they give you that 100-night trial, that tells you they're confident in their mattresses. You're just going to fall in love with it and then fall asleep. <laughs> Eric, did you want to, is this you? Connecting yeah, with yeah. Uh, before we get into MVP, there actually our patrons are writing in more info about the vanishing cabinet. Um, Lauren L writes in Chamber of Secrets, nearly headless Nick says that Peeves knocked. I over read that it. earlier. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah really? Like five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Eric fell asleep on his cast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So this. So this was the cabinet that. Uh, Nick is to blame, actually, because Nick... Oh, Peeves is to blame. No, 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 but Nick persuades Peeves to drop it to get Harry out of detention with Gilderoy Lockhart. So yeah. he sets up that distraction. So nearly how this Nick broke the cabinet, um, which now Draco has to fix the whole... So this will not improve relations between Draco and nearly how this Nick, I'm sure. One, one thing we should do is, I'm almost certain we had several episodes years ago on the threads between different books and Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince have tons of common themes that run throughout and are connected in so many different ways. So it may be worth us revisiting that down the line. Mm -hmm. I know we'll do it as we go through uh, each of these chapters where we can, but maybe even doing an episode on how those two books connect so closely together. So yeah. Nolan, Nolan writes, well, at this point, or at the point in Chamber of Secrets, if Harry got in, if he had closed the door all the way, he just would have ended up at Hogwarts because the other one wasn't broken by Peeves yet. So I don't know. It's just so funny. Such a crucial plot point as to how all the Death Eaters get into Hogwarts in book six is the, the we have the full history. We have it being found, discovered, broken, and then mended and then used to infiltrate Hogwarts. And furthermore, somebody else wrote that Filch actually takes the cabinet up into, I guess, where it is, the room. I don't know if he knows about the room. Somebody says Filch brings it up there. So it's just this crazy long history of this vanishing cabinet. Okay, MVP of the week. Camila, let's hear from you first. Who is your most valuable Potter player? <laughs> yeah, so mine is Harry, because if he did not follow Draco, we would have had no plot until like the necklace incident in Hogwarts. We would have like like had no like drama. <laughs> they would have just been coasting at school. <laughs> Good point. My MVP is the 10-second pimple vanisher because Voldemort might be back, but at least our faces will be clean when we take him down. <laughs> I need some of that real bad. My MVP goes to Bill Weasley for just being a cool guy and, and yeah, helping Harry out. Yeah. You know, saving him five hours of, of having to go through security protocols at Gringotts. He just brings his gold straight to him. And I thought it was funny when Ron was like, oh, where's mine? <laughs> Also, says, the reference to the probity probe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Concerning. Uh, so, unfortunately. So, I do like yours, Eric. Actually, I had picked Fred 
um, for the very reason that that you're about to. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> well, I, I I would have just picked Bill because I think I like yours a lot. But yeah, Fred and George, um, there's a small corner in their shop that doesn't sell as well as all the rest of the stuff, and it's their Muggle magic tricks, their Muggle magic rope tricks. Um, basically, I, I gave them the MVP because they're doing right by their dad and showcasing, you know, oh, muggles, bless them. They try, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. You know, muggle magic tricks. They, it just wouldn't be, they wouldn't be Weasleys if they didn't have something muggle related in, in their shop. Yeah, so. It speaks to Arthur's influence over them over the years, despite being rebels. Yeah. You left out the best part, though, Eric. Hmm. Because Fred straight up says, that they created the section for freaks like dad. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, so maybe they aren't as close with their dad anymore as they used to. I mean, but we saw them uh, picking locks, right? In in book three or book two, they picked the lock for Harry's trunk for the from the cupboard under the stairs to get his stuff. And they've always been muggle apt at, at muggle, you know, objects. So I, I'm just thrilled that, uh, it, you know, it's funny because of all the items in Fred and George's shop, the muggle ones are the ones that the wizards will have to spend the most time learning how to do because it's not as simple as waving a wand. You've actually got to learn how to move your hand in such a way that nobody sees what you're doing. This is grim, but J.K. Rowling was going to kill Arthur in Order of the Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. It's like she was yeah. considering that. If that had happened, I bet all these products would have been like named after him. Oh, like Memoriam. Yeah. Little Arthur Weasley <gasps> line of items, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he could be buried under the store. <laughs> that was well, this is really dark. Yeah, wow. I don't know why I thought of that, but just <laughs> because the products were inspired by their dad. If they had lost their dad, then they probably would have named some of the products after him. Yep. Anyway, time to rename the chapter, Camila. Uh, uh Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Mister Weasley, and Mister Weasley. <laughs> I love Verity. She's she's great. Yeah. She's just Mr. Weasley and Mr. Weasley. There's somebody up there trying to buy a trick cauldron. <clears throat> uh Half Blood Prince chapter six. Dramine is real, baby. Confirmed. Hermione is dating Draco. Wow. Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, chapter six. When Narcissa attacks. and harry potter and the half-blood prince chapter six nobody screams for ice cream (laughs) wow i think that's my favorite bleak this week i like that one (laughs) yeah i like narcissa or or everybody screams for ice cream now depending on (laughs) oh yeah no but nobody screams because he's not there I know, but he screams probably. <laughs> he's yeah, probably he's for other kidnapped somewhere screaming right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to wrap things up today, let's play some Quizage. Yeah, we got, um, <clears throat> just as a reminder, last week's question, what famous children's game gets a magical upgrade in this chapter of Half-Blood Prince? The correct answer is Hangman. Uh, we actually, this is my favorite object that's inside the Fred and George's shop with the exception of that daydream powder. Cause that stuff looks great. Um, but the reusable hangman spell it or he'll swing. It's a wooden figure that I guess you can teach it what word you've chosen. You guys remember playing hangman, don't you? On like notebook paper. I mean, yeah. what, a, what a cool 
thing for J.K. Rowling to make magified or magicified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really, really good stuff. It, so it was also something that was on her website. I know we talked about her old website oh, last yeah. week. It was one yeah. of the games that you had to play. I think was it not to reveal the name of this chapter? I could be completely making that up. But we should check on that. <laughs> I actually, you know what? You might be completely right. That would be insane if that was true. But it was the name of this. Wasn't it Drake? The answer to the hangman was Draco's it, detour. Yeah, I because this chapter name was one of the chapter titles that was revealed on her site. Hmm. So the the chapter in which she mentions Hangman, she provides a Hangman on her website for us to virtually interact with to get the name of this chapter. Where That'd there be pretty is cool. Magical Hangman. Oh my God. She's, if it's right. You guys, I might Isn't think Hangman also Rowling the name is... of the bar or or no. Uh, oh yeah, the Hanged I'm Man. Like... Yeah, in in Little Wingleton or well Hangleton. Hangleton. <laughs> or it might be Upper <laughs> Hangleton. Okay, so who yeah. won? Okay, the winners of last week's Quizich are Andrea, Joe, Nick, Michelle, Haley, Charlie, Justin, and Sean. Okay, so. and this week's question? This week's question, <clears throat> who is <clears throat> in the first train compartment that uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione reach on the Hogwarts Express? Okay. If you have any feedback about today's episode, just hop over to MuggleCast.com. We've got the contact form there. You can also just email us directly, MuggleCast.gmail.com. But while you're on the website, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, listen to old episodes of MuggleCast. We've got the Wall of Fame. We've got the Chapter by Chapter archive. We've also got a link to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. We couldn't do this weekly without your support. And we return the favor by offering lots of great benefits we our um our post fantastic beasts poster giveaway just wrapped up we're going to select a winner this week so early congrats to whichever slug club member won that excellent poster designed by mina lima that i want to keep for myself but i guess we'll give it away (laughs) (laughs) micah smartly purchased his own didn't you micah (laughs) i did well, purchased. I made a donation. Okay, let's. That's yeah. right. And you won. I apologize. You're a big winner. Yes. <laughs> um, I looked it up though too. By the way, uh, the Hangman game was actually for the Deathly Hallows title. Oh, okay. Damn. Well, she was, was feeling inspired after book six, the book six Hangman reference. This, this is seriously the one artifact I really want. Like Wizard's Chest is cool, but wouldn't it be even cooler if you could have a magical Hangman? <laughs> It does look like Draco's Detour was one of the reveal chapter titles, though. I found an old Snitch Sneaker post. So it was like Spinner's End, Draco's Detour, and Felix Felicis. Huh. Can you imagine if we were, if the show was rolling before Half Blood Prince came out and we were like, what does Draco's Detour mean? (laughs) That Draco is now working road construction in a uh, American Northwestern, Pacific Northwestern city, like all the fanfics. Voldemort has banished him from the muggle world after his father's big mistake in Order of the Phoenix. Anyway, um, that's what we have for everybody this week. Stay tuned, patrons, for information on when we're recording our Half-Blood Prince commentary. We'll post that on social media and on Patreon, and then we will release that to the public after recording it, pretty soon after we record it. Also, send in your questions now for for Half-Blood Prince Chapter 8. 
Camila, it was great having you on. Thank you so much. I had a blast. So so thank you so much for having me. And it's like a little like, it's great. You guys are like the first podcast I ever listened to, like back in 05 or 06. So like, that's awesome. It's super, super exciting to be on there. Honored. Yeah. Honored. Um, Oh, and uh, we'll be in, we'll be in touch about that uh, MuggleCast app as well. Uh, yeah 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 i'll get right on it <laughs> well no good luck with your app that you're developing yeah. with your friends and let Thank us you. you 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 have a name for it already right yeah it's called sway sway okay yeah. let us know when it's out we'll we'll let our listeners know and of course we'll check it out yeah I see your work Absolutely. and so don't forget cool. to turn into <laughs> turn in forget it i was gonna say tune in to dancing with the stars Eric. <laughs> yeah monday september 24th at 8 7 central on you ABC. still have a whole nother week before that debuts you're gonna talk about it on the next episode I oh think. yeah you bet i am <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go into a deep dive now i'm gonna research yeah, he's all gonna the come other back stats. with more info yeah he's okay. gonna be like wired on coffee because he's gonna have binged all twenty eight thousand seasons of dancing with the stars you know to be honest there's over 400 episodes isn't that ridiculous they they actually have more episodes of Dancing with the Stars than there are of MuggleCast, and we've been doing this 13 years. Well, that's like Survivor <laughs> that's been around for 35 or 36 seasons so, because yeah. they do twice. Yeah. Maybe yeah. while Ivana is hanging around all these Hollywood studios, she could be like, hey, um, has anybody tried to get J.K. Rowling to do a Harry Potter TV series yet? Why aren't any of you on that? Yeah. <laughs> Please. <dream>. The question <laughs> I have, though, will they do the dance from the wedding? that oh. they did <laughs> uh, in, in the movie that would be awesome uh or she wore like an out the outfit that she wore that would also be great like, <laughs> <laughs> or like a harry potter week because they do those themed weeks yeah yeah they do it's, disney week because everybody else has to dance to like neville's waltz and stuff <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool pretty cool all right thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm eric uh micah And I'm Camila. Bye, everybody. Bye.